Welcome to RNZ's Insight Programme. I'm Philippa Tolley. This week, the tourism industry and its workforce. Tourism has become the country's top export earner, surpassing dairy and employing 7.5% of the New Zealand workforce. While tourism is booming, research into employment paints a less than rosy picture, with questions about whether the industry is developing a workforce that can take tourism forward as a high-value, high-skilled sector. There's uncertainty too over what impact government plans to tighten the rules around migrant working visas will have on businesses and how or if the local workforce will fill the void. Let us take you. Let us show you around. This place where wonder grows. New Zealand's tourism industry is a billion-dollar earner for the country, and it's set to increase with an industry goal of growing total tourism revenue to $41 billion a year by 2025. Where spirits of the land tell you tales. But can New Zealand's tourism industry survive without importing a workforce? And what is it doing now to help train local workers to capitalise on jobs and careers in tourism? People need to be encouraged to work. If you come here on a visa, you need to work to survive. That's not necessarily the case if you're a New Zealand citizen. Is the answer better worker rights? We need to take stock and think about the decisions we've made about employment, about employment legislation and about work in sectors like this. Is the right sort of training being offered to prepare a local workforce properly for the jobs that are needed? I think the whole training scene, the apprenticeship training, that works, but but the one-year polytech courses and then sending them out saying, well, you know how to cook now, it doesn't seem to actually be doing the job it needs to. For those seasonal workers who come here, are working and living conditions acceptable? They're in crowded houses uh, in not ideal circumstances and council is encouraging developers of good permanent accommodation for these people to come forward with proposals. The thoughts around all of those issues vary throughout the industry, but what is agreed is that the industry needs certainty around what the government intends to do with migrant worker visa numbers. Before anyone shuts off one source of labour, they would need to ensure that uh, another source is available. So if we're going to have uh, more immigration restrictions, um, where are those workers going to come from instead? I'm Belinda McCammon, and this insight explores the opportunities and challenges the New Zealand tourism industry faces with its workforce. One of the world's last unspoiled lands is waiting out there. You own it, yet you're almost a stranger to it. New Zealand is still young, and so are you. It's time the two of you got together. New Zealand's tourism industry has come a long way since the fledgling days of the government's tourist and publicity department. One in every five dollars of export earnings is tourism related, with 188,000 people directly employed in tourism and 332,000 indirectly. That's one in every eight jobs reliant on the tourism industry. Put simply, tourism is a major economic driver for the country. Which begs the question, is this country doing enough to encourage more New Zealanders to pursue jobs in the industry instead of relying on a seasonal migrant workforce? Good morning, everyone. 
Um, so last night went, went very well. Had, how many no-shows we have, Jamie? The daily staff briefing at Christchurch's Commodore Hotel, where tourism drives the business and 110 staff are employed throughout the year to run the 160-room complex near the city's airport. Crystal Tamu, the hotel's human resources manager, says less than 5% of the staff are on working visas, a rate, she admits, that is low and quite rare to find among hotels especially. She says they've been lucky to hire from a good local base, but in the next six months, new hotels will be built in the city with at least 300 staff needed to fill the new roles. That's going to put pressure on the staffing pool in the city. It's going to be massive. We have to make sure we're looking after our team um, and that we're holding on to our key people and our shining stars and they're not going to be drawn into the city. Michael Jane is the hotel's rooms division manager and says jobs in tourism and hospitality, like working in a hotel, are a chance to learn life skills with great training opportunities and an opportunity to move around. But finding motivated locals with the right attitude can be difficult. There are challenges in New Zealand that go beyond the hospitality sector and, and as far as uh, employment is concerned. Um, people need to be encouraged to work. If you come here on a visa, you need to work to survive. It's not necessarily the case if you're a New Zealand citizen. Timing's good, nice looking slides, setting a high standard right off the bat. David Williamson, a senior lecturer at AUT School of Hospitality and Tourism in Auckland, is at a morning tutorial with his students. He says the uncertainty around what the government intends to do with migrant worker visa numbers sends a bad message overseas. He says he has a classroom full of international migrant students who are doing postgraduate study and they have no idea what environment they'll face next year. His research into employment and work and tourism between 1955 and 2000 paints a less than rosy picture of the industry. David Williamson says New Zealand has a long history of talking about tourism and hospitality and service work in general as second-rate work. As a result, young New Zealanders are not coming into the industry in the numbers that are needed. He says part of the solution is working on the cultural factor to change parents' attitude towards it as a career choice. But he says there also isn't good coordination between schools and tertiary providers, like Polytechs, to develop the skills for the tourism jobs available. An example he gives is that tourism and hospitality were removed as an NCEA subject that could be used towards university entrance in 2014. That makes no sense. So we're sending mixed messages through to parents and, and kids at a very young age. So we need much better coordination between schools and tertiary education uh, folks to get these skills developed. The employers need to come on board with improving conditions, pay, making sure that we're providing jobs that really um, look after people well. The reality is uh, my PhD showed that um, real hourly wages in the uh, hospitality and tourism sector have fallen by 24.5% from 1979 to 2006. So you've seen a real drop-off in the wages coming through in that sector. David Williamson says decisions made back in the 1980s to reduce the role of unions and make changes from employment law have had long-term impacts. He says the public was told it would lead to more flexibility, but he argues that hasn't been the case. 
we need to take stock and think about the decisions we've made about employment, about employment legislation, and about work in sectors like this. If we want to build a high-skill, dedicated workforce for the future, which we have to, if you look at hotel providers in this country, they're investing quite a lot of money now in doing up their properties and taking their hotels from three and four star up to four and five star properties. They're investing in the top end of the market because they can see that we're going to have Chinese tourists coming in here and people who want to experience a really good product. In order to be able to do that, you have to have a high skill workforce and you have to develop that high skill workforce and it has to be stable. Harry Morris is the Nelson president of the Restaurant Association. He's been in the restaurant business for 17 years, employing three full-time staff year-round, operating five days a week. He pays a starting wage of $16 an hour, with the average about $18.50. A bar manager might get between $22 and $24 an hour. He says issues around wages are difficult. If you've got to pay that minimum wage, you might just have to pull back on the hours people are doing. So that will affect the quality of service, possibly. It will affect the amount of time you have for training. And it won't make a huge amount of difference to, to the employee's uh, wage packet because they'll be getting a higher hourly rate, but less hours to, 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 to earn it. There's some issues across the board in the hospitality sector with the, the, the mean wage that was set for qualified and, and highly qualified workers coming through. Um, it's sort of a blanket wage right across all industries in the country and I think there certainly should be a regional difference for your, your mean wage and quite possibly it should be down to industry as well rather than saying, well, this is the wage right across all industry. And he says the training provided across the country is not up to standard. The training that, that is provided at institutions around the country, from what I understand, right across the country with chefs coming out of the polytechs, that restaurateurs uh, are struggling with the, the quality. When they come out, they, they just don't have... You know, they're qualified, so to speak, but they haven't had the work experience and they, they walk into an environment, you know, a, a busy kitchen and, and it's not what they're expecting. I think the whole training seen the apprenticeship training, that works but, but the one year polytech courses and then sending them out saying well you know how to cook now, it doesn't seem to actually be doing the job it needs to. Daniel Monopoly has owned the Boat Shed Cafe for about eight years and has worked in hospitality for his whole working life, about 30 years. He agrees that there is a lack of skilled workers for the industry. He says the government needs to be tough but fair. There's very few you know, New Zealand professionals that want to do hospitality and, and sorry, in Nelson. Uh, I think Nelson is a, um, a place where, uh, and a little bit like me, uh, you know, uh, hospitality workers return and look for more of a lifestyle. And, uh, and they might be from Wellington or Auckland and they might have a couple of kids, but now they're ready to sort of, uh, you know, settle and maybe settle for 10 years. But... Uh, the business or my business or their uh, job isn't a priority, unfortunately. We were lucky because we are quite good at saving, but we saw quite a lot of our colleagues that were struggling a little more with money because they are maybe 
used to a different lifestyle. Rebecca and Mel are from the Netherlands and arrived in New Zealand in June this year on a working holiday visa. They spent a season working at a ski field and while they enjoyed the country, they say they're unlikely to return to work. They say the word among other travellers they met is that while New Zealand is a great place to visit, it's developing a reputation of being a place where people are overworked and underpaid. But I also think that that is the nature of seasonal work. So not just in New Zealand, but globally you are kind of putting yourself in that position where that can happen to you by working abroad. It was really expensive compared to what we were expecting. We had lived in Australia for a while, so we're used to an inflated currency to what we're used to in Europe, but still it felt quite expensive. Food and, and accommodation is very expensive here. Ladies and gentlemen, public forum, can I have a show of hands of those who... Jim Bolt is the Mayor of Queenstown, and at council meetings, issues around the local workforce and the hospitality industry surface frequently. He's already made contact with the new government, including the new Minister of Tourism, Calvin Davis, as he urgently wants to talk about getting some dialogue going around the issue of migrant workers. Speaking via Skype, he says the town can't operate without staff coming from overseas. Our position is quite special in that we rely heavily on foreign workers in the town. On any given night, there's around um, 3,000 of them working in the town. Uh, we don't have any, any unemployment in the district, and if we were to lose those people, we would be uh, in severe trouble. The lack of affordable housing for workers, both seasonal, migrant and permanent, is one of the big issues the region faces. But what is the council doing to help solve the problem? We've started a process towards improvement, but I can't tell you that it's improving at this point in time. There are two sub-issues to this. One is permanent accommodation for people who want to move here and live here, and you'll be aware of the um, mayoral task force on housing. Uh, that's the first significant step in trying to address permanent housing, and I think it'll lead to some good solutions. The other issue is worthwhile accommodation for temporary workers or itinerant workers, and present time their situation is not ideal. They're in crowded houses uh, in not ideal circumstances, and council is encouraging developers of good permanent accommodation for these people to come forward with proposals. So, in short, we're working on it, but we don't have an answer at this point. I love that my job's on par with the best in the world. Like nothing could be I love making a splash in the tourism industry. Charlie Phillips is the chief executive of the Queenstown Resort College, a tourism and hospitality management college. It trains about 350 students a year. 85% of them are from New Zealand and aged between 18 and 20 years old. He says the college does a lot of work through the year, visiting 350 schools, recruiting students and outlining opportunities and the career pathways. He says the industry and schools are probably behind the eight ball when it comes to getting the New Zealand workers it needs now. It's not promoted heavily to schools as a career choice. Uh, people are still very much down the traditional modes of careers. 
and the and the currency of thinking and, and the people's understanding of what tourism and the opportunities within it simply uh, don't exist. So there needs to be a lot of work done from a lot of people on profiling tourism as a, as a fantastic career of choice. But even as a trainer of workers for the industry, he says Queenstown couldn't function without international workers and he hopes that the government will take into account the needs of each region. Without immigration and without having people uh, from overseas come to do the work, um, particularly some of the seasonal work, then the workers won't be there, um, which is obviously going to have a, a supply and demand effect on wages. Um, but the reality is um, the unintended consequence of, of being too tight on that is the fact that actually there might not just be enough people to do the work, and that's just not for, for, for tourism. Outside of that, there will be some wage pressure, and there already is wage pressure. I don't think there's many scalable businesses here in Queenstown, for example, that pay minimum wage. I'd, I'd challenge, you know, I think they're all more around a living wage. The so people are already on that train. The perception of, of hospitality and tourism being low paid, there are elements which are lower. However, um, what we're trying to do is encourage people to look at what the career opportunities are. Karen Wheeler is the Deputy Principal of Hornby High School in Christchurch, with a role of about 700 students. The school offers tourism as a subject in Year 12 and 13, and offers work placements, while also working with tertiary providers, so if a student shows interest, they can work out what the best options are. As the school prepared to meet the new Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, Karen Wheeler said hospitality was a popular subject among students. I think we have got the right balance, but obviously there's always <laughs> there's always, a, always opportunities to you know look at things and change. But at the moment, you know, if they express an interest, then we're able to sort of put them in the right direction. Jacinda Ardern was visiting Hornby High School as part of her first visit to Christchurch since being sworn in as Prime Minister. She was there in part to reaffirm the government's commitment to the first year post-secondary education being free for those who haven't attended it before. It was a chance to ask her about what changes the industry can expect. Do you think that enough is being done to encourage these students or throughout New Zealand to get into tourism as a career opportunity? Oh, look, there are a number of areas where I'd like to see us um, encouraging young people to consider their career options. Uh, yes, tourism uh, is one of them. It's something that the industry has raised with us and we're committed to making sure that's seen as a good long-term pathway um, for school leavers. But there are a number of other areas I place particular emphasis on the trades. We need more skilled um, um, builders. We need more people training in uh, as, as electricians. We need more plumbers. We need to value the trades because we desperately need them. Should the migrant worker tap be turned off then? Oh, look, there is no doubt we have need in those areas. Uh, and for us, it's about making sure that we do both, make sure that we meet that need whilst also training our domestic workforce. Matthew Davidson is the manager of Quest Accommodation in Whangarei. This is our basic studio room. Um, which are actually all full at the moment, believe it or not. The location, I don't think Quest could have done any better. He employs an all New Zealand workforce, three permanent part-time housekeepers, one receptionist and a casual weekend housekeeper. By his own description, it's a lean machine and says other hotels in the region hire more casual workers. Whangarei, he says, is a tough town to get a job in and can be even harder to keep good employees. 
He says jobs are hard to come by in the city, especially good paying jobs, but he's committed to investing in the local workforce despite regular applications from overseas workers. He says the industry has got to find a way of looking after New Zealand workers, but admits it can take a lot of work to help some employees. I've found it has taken a lot of work in training and education because there is sometimes barriers that, that limit their learning. A lot of stuff up here, because Whangarei is, you know, we're a largely uh, Māori centre um, and it, it can be quite tricky to, I suppose, get them the confidence to actually come to work and actually enjoy their work because they may have been on, for example, the benefit for, for such a long period of time and a job to them is, is very new. At the end of the day, a person is a person. We're all people. We've got the same clockwork inside and out, so you've just got to be able to train that into them. Lisa Johnson works at the hotel as a housekeeper and has just graduated in Level 3 housekeeping under the New Zealand Qualification Framework. And she says she loves her job. Before being hired, Lisa Johnson hadn't been employed for 17 years. She says it was scary returning to work as she didn't have any training. I wasn't quite uh, very experienced when I started, but now I've, it's awesome. We did a training course down in Auckland through the Quest franchise. All the New Zealand hotels, all, a lot of the housekeepers and receptionists, and all went and done a training course in Auckland. It was for a day. Was, that was really awesome too. It was quite fun. Tonight we share the stories and celebrate the successes of some of the finest and most inspirational New Zealand tourism businesses and individuals. In early September, 360 industry leaders and supporters gathered in Christchurch for the Tourism Industry Aotearoa Awards. Shane Forrest is the 28-year-old marketing manager of the Hobbiton movie set and won the Emerging Tourism Leader Award. He's involved with trying to build a network of young tourism leaders around the country. He says he never considered going into the industry in high school and fell into tourism as a career. Shane Forrest would like to see both the industry and schools encouraging people to consider tourism as a career option sooner. We just need to try and get people thinking about tourism sooner. Again, still to this day, a lot of people like me in high school don't think about tourism as a career. They think of it as a job until they move to the next step or get into their chosen career. So we would like to work with with, um, high schools throughout New Zealand and any way we can to connect with with, uh, teenagers to let them know that tourism is an exciting career. It's an amazing career. And like myself, I've I've travelled all around the world as being in the the tourism industry so we just need to make that connection as early as as we can. Ryan Sanders is founder of Haka Tourism Group and tonight is the winner of the Tourism Champion Award. Like Shane, he'd never considered tourism as a career option but now runs a business with more than $10 million turnover a year. He says he predominantly hires New Zealanders but they struggle to recruit staff and is constantly out searching for new workers because the pool is very small. If the government could do one thing, it would really to make tourism an aspirational industry for people to work into. 
and to be really encouraging people to get their passenger endorsement and Class 2 licences. You know, being a tour manager in New Zealand is such an amazing job. And for me personally, I probably would have been really well suited to that role. It was never anything that I thought about at high school and university. It was never presented to me. I just think it's such a call in should get involved in. And I think we need to be a better job in communicating that. Chris Roberts, the Chief Executive of Tourism Industry Aotearoa, says the industry has to do what it can to move away from the model of grabbing seasonal workers every time peak season approaches. He says one of the benefits of increased tourism is the opportunity to offer permanent roles. That's better for the businesses, the community and the workforce, and he's seeing signs of that happening. He says all of the industry is looking for work-ready staff. You have to have the right attitude. You have to show up on time and know how to deal with people uh, and, and be a good, uh, reliable, honest worker. Uh, and that's where a lot of the issues are, unfortunately, with um, many of the uh, New Zealanders um, who may be seeking those entry-level jobs, being work-ready. And I think any government can assist in that area. Uh, we, I don't think we need more training courses. Uh, we don't need to be producing more graduates or, and uh, having people with more diplomas and so forth. Um, it's about ensuring that our, our young people are work-ready when they um, enter the workforce uh, and that they s- stick at that job. There's, there's a big fallout... Uh, um, in the first six months uh, where, where people just aren't able to stick at it, get, get beyond that period, um, and they become a, a usually a good, reliable worker. He says what he'd like to see in the industry is for people not to think of tourism jobs as the job you get before you get a real job, which has been the attitude for a long time. Chris Roberts is in the process of making submissions for a review of the university entrance system, because of the bad signal it sends if it's not counted towards moving into tertiary education. He says migrant and holiday workers will always be part of the tourism workforce, but businesses also have to be better at attracting workers. And he's keen to hear from the government about what changes may happen around migrant visa numbers. Before anyone shuts off one source of labour, they would need to ensure that uh, another source is available. So if we're going to have uh, more immigration restrictions, um, where are those workers going to come from instead? So so uh, if, if we can guarantee that there are going to be more New Zealanders, suitable New Zealanders available, uh, then as a country we'll cope with having fewer uh, migrant workers. But if there's no major shift in that, we then are just simply... Um, not going to have people to do the jobs and that will have a serious impact on our industry. The number of tourists coming to New Zealand is forecast to grow 39% to 4.9 million a year by 2023 and spending is projected to rise by more than 50% to $15.3 billion. Industry leaders say this means more jobs, especially in the regions, to cater to the visitors in the coming years. The question is... Will New Zealand be ready for them? And show that your dreams are here. Waiting. I'm Belinda McCammon, and that's Insight for this week. You can share and podcast this and other insights from rnz.co.nz forward slash insight or head to iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That programme was produced by me, Philippa Tolley, with technical production by Phil Benge. 
if you'd like to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at insight at radioNZ.co.nz or our Twitter handle is at insight RNZ. It's been great to have you with us. <laughs>